Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. It was cool to be able to hang out in the front before the service. I hope you got your shot glass of uh, hot chocolate. If you're watching online, you got to be here. Uh, you're missing out. Um, and so we just hope you feel welcome here today with friends and family. Uh, so many here in the room and, and also watching online. We want to welcome you guys as well. We're starting something really cool today. Uh, we are kicking off our live stream of this service, the 11 o'clock service. And so if you tune into our Facebook page or our YouTube channel, uh, the entire service is broadcast live at, at 11 o'clock every Sunday. So if you're traveling over the holiday season and you can't be here or you have some family and friends that, that are maybe out of town that you want to share it with, you can pass that link along and uh, tune in every Sunday. Uh, take us on the road with you. Um, it's just one of the ways that God is just continuing to kind of expand the ministry here. And, uh, but here's what I've realized uh, about the room. Uh, have, you, have you guys ever been to a movie and you get there early because you want to you pick your seat and you want the best seat and you want a good seat? And, and so you get there early and you get your $28 small popcorn and drink combo and you sit down and you got a good seat and you're like, yes, I'm, I'm so ready for this movie. And right before the movie starts, uh, like you see this person, it's a really tall person with big hair, is coming up the stairs and you're like, no way they're going to sit in front of me. They're not going to sit in front of me. Please don't sit in front of me. And that tall person with the big head sits right smack dab in front of you. And I get it. I'm, I'm short, so short person problems. Uh, I understand that. Uh, sometimes that can actually happen when you come to church, right? You get here on time and you're here. And you're ready, and you're, you're locked in. And then all of a sudden, like a really tall person sits directly in front of you. If they're right in front of you right now, you can be like, Ugh, you know, like clear your throat. <laughs> Talking about you. Uh, like tap them on the shoulder, be like, thank you. Um, so here's, here's the solution, though. Great thing about the live stream. If you're here and the view of stage is obstructed by an overly tall person in front of you, you can log on to Facebook or get onto YouTube and you can watch the service while you're in the room. Like, so you can be in here, and if you look up and you're like, I don't like the way Nathan looks that from this angle, then like you can look on your phone. And then if you like it on the phone better, then you can just relax. You can slouch down in your chair. Doesn't matter if tall people come to this church or not. Like you will be able to, to view it from your phone. That's that's awesome. I'm thinking about like live streaming the service so I can see what I look like, and I'm just like, oh wait, this button's not buttoned. <laughs> Real quick, you know, just little things like that, you know, that you can send yourself signs. And so uh, whether you're in the room or whether you're watching online or whether you're in the room and plan on watching online when you're in the room, we're glad you're here. And uh, I'm excited about Christmas and excited about the opportunities that, that we have. Now that I have officially welcomed you, uh, I'm getting ready to ruin Christmas for many people in this room. I'm not looking forward to it. I don't want to do it. I don't like playing this role. I don't like being the Grinch. You think I want to come in here and just like shatter everybody's dreams at the beginning of December? I don't want to do it, but here's the problem. There's a lot of fake news going on about Christmas right now. A lot of lies are being propagated about this incredible time of the year. A lot of people are saying things. A lot of people believe things about this time of year. And like, I just got to set the record straight. 
Like, I just got to, I can't, I can't tolerate it anymore. We can't walk around not knowing what the deal is. And so today, I want to talk about a specific character in the Christmas story, a, a specific group of people that were around the, the manger scene, the group that is commonly known as the three wise men. Or maybe you've heard the three magi, or maybe they're called the, the three kings. I got to debunk some myths about this group of dudes because I don't want you to be ignorant about it. I don't want you to look bad at the next Christmas party. So here's the thing. Three, three things. I don't want to set the record straight. Three lies that people are believing. The first one is this. There weren't three of them. I can hear the dream shattering right now. Like your parents have lied to you all this time. There weren't three of them. Did you know that there weren't three wise men? That there weren't three kings, weren't three magi, whatever you call it. The Bible never tells us how many of them there were. They actually tell us that they were three gifts that were brought. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which I'm pretty sure myrrh is just an old-timey word for CBD oil. But so that, like, those are the gifts that were brought, right? <laughs> those are the gifts that were brought. But we know there are three gifts, but we don't know that there were three people that brought them. In fact, I can almost guarantee you that there were more than three wise men. Because if you have ever invited a group of dudes to a party, you know most of them are going to leave their present at home. Most of them will forget the present. They'll show up and be like, oh, I didn't even know this was a present party. Or, oh, I left it at home. I guarantee like that fourth wise man rolled up and he saw the first three guys with the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And he just got up and he's like, really? Is, I didn't, this is what kind of party we're going to? I didn't know we were supposed to bring a gift. Guarantee he walked up to that first guy that had that big box of gold. And he said, all right, look, here's the deal. When you give that to Jesus, you tell him that's from you and me. I will Venmo you some money right now. I left my present at home. I bet majority of the people that showed up did not have a gift. And so there weren't three of them. I know the song says, we three kings of Orient. I know that you have a nativity scene and it has three people that you think are wise men. And they're, they're, we just don't know. So if you're like me and one of your small children has misplaced one of the wise men from the nativity scene, you don't have to throw it away. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to like take the shepherd and move him over to the wise men to make it look complete because we don't know. We don't know. The Bible never tells us exactly how many wise men there were. So there weren't three. We're not sure. The second thing is this. They weren't kings. I know there's a popular song. It says, we three kings of Orient are. I was going to sing it, but I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to ruin it. Holy Spirit will completely leave this place. <laughs> we hear that song growing up. We're like, oh, we're, we're, it was three kings. Those are the three kings. They traveled afar and bringing their gifts. And, and some of your nativity sets, they, 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 they look like kings because they have crowns on their head or gold hats or whatever used to, to symbolize that they were, they were kings. And I get it. The, the, the song says, we three kings. And we've sung that and we know that. And and we've been taught that for a long time, but they actually weren't kings. Uh, the, the word in the text in the New Testament is wise men, or the word magi, which is the root word for magic. These guys were actually studiers of the stars. They were astronomists. They were scientists, actually. But I could totally understand why the people that wrote the song uh, chose We Three Kings, because when you think about it, we three kings is a lot more catchier than we the unknown number of scientists and astrophysicists. 
Like, it, like, that doesn't rally people around the piano at, at Christmas Eve service. Like, like, nobody wants a nativity scene with a, a bunch of guys with a chemistry set wearing white coats on. Like, that's, it just ruins the entire mood. And so they just said, let's just call them we three kings. So not only were they not three, secondly, they, they weren't kings. But let me debunk the final lie. The magi actually weren't at the manger scene. And I know that's groundbreaking, and I know that's revolutionary, and I know that you're thinking, no, 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 I have a hallmark manger scene, and it came with it, and they were there, and they're a part of it, and all the Christmas paintings, they were there, and you can't tell me, these are lies, you can't tell me that. Well, actually, Scripture tells us that after baby Jesus was born, it took quite a while for the wise men to actually get there. In fact, most scholars tell us that Jesus would have been between the age of six months and two years old by the time the wise men got there. And so I want to put that in your hands because it would be so embarrassing if somebody came over to your house and you had the wise men at the manger scene. They're going to look at you like you're crazy and like, did you know that they weren't there? And so here's what I want to give you the freedom to do. If you get invited over to somebody's house for a Christmas party or whatever and you walk in and they have a manger scene with three dudes that look like kings with the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, then I want to give you the confidence to pick up that figurine, walk it to the other side of their house, put it on the mantle, and then walk back and say, I just want you to know that when Jesus was born, the wise men were not actually there. They traveled from afar. And you didn't even know this, but your manger was heretical, and Jesus doesn't like that. And so I just saved you. You're welcome. And so just bring some cheer to your holiday parties. And I uh, just don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to, I don't want you to be that guy uh, that doesn't know. You know. There's so much confusion. There's so many questions around who these guys are and wise men or magi and how many and what did they do and where did they come from. And despite some of the questions that we have, there's actually a lot that we can learn from, from these guys. And so that's the story I want to look at today. If you have your Bible, I want you to do Matthew chapter 2, the story of these three magi and how they, they fit into the Christmas story. And uh, I, want, I want to read just the whole text. It's going to be 12 verses. I know that's more verses that we normally read all at one time, but I believe in you. You can do it. We're big boys and girls here. Uh, we can handle it. So I'm going to do the whole story of the wise men and how they fit into the birth narrative of Jesus. And then I want to learn some things that, that are applicable to us today that, that the people in this room, the people watching online can, can learn from these popular Christmas characters. Matthew chapter 2 reads like this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, and they asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. This is in the Old Testament. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. 
And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presents with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. To get to Jesus, these men had to take roughly a two-year journey. Now, some of you are facing a two-hour car ride to your in-laws on December, and you're already dreading it. Can you imagine these guys figuring out that it's going to take two years in order for them to experience firsthand the very first Christmas? So they show up after traveling, and they hear this new king is born by the star in the sky. And so where do they go? They go to the king's house. They go straight to Herod's who's the current king, and they knock on the door and they say awkwardly, hey, heard there was a new king born. We're, we're here to worship him. And Herod's like, I hadn't heard about a new king. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm the king. I'm the old king and the current king, and there's no other king, and there's nobody that's going to come in and overthrow me and kill all of my family. That's not how, no. What, what do you mean you've heard of a new king? But these wise men just kept saying, we are, we're here to worship the king, we saw the star in the sky and we're, we're here to worship the king. And from the very beginning of the story, here's what the wise men can teach us. If you're taking notes, jot this down. The first thing that this group of guys can teach us is this. Christmas is about worship. Christmas is about worship. In fact, everything these wise men did, every turn and word of their story focuses on worship. It illustrates worship. Now, when you think of worship, you might think of the songs that we sing or the, the music or the band that plays. And you may say, well, we do like worship first and then the guy speaks and then we do worship at the end. And, 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 but that's actually like not what real worship is. It's not the, the meaning of worship. Like the simple definition and the idea of worship is, is this. What is most important in your life? What takes top priority? Uh, when, when, when it's all said and done, what do you care about the most? What do you think about the most? What do you give towards the most? What matters to most? What occupies your mental faculties the most? If you really want to know what you worship, then that's the only question you have to ask, is what is most important in your life? What takes top priority in, in your life? What comes first? This Christmas, what comes first? And over, over the next few days leading up to December 25th, that's just a simple question you can ask. What matters the most to me? What am I spending my time and my energy and my resources? And what am I constantly thinking about? And what am I working towards? And where is my heart? What direction is it pointed in? Because that's really, like you can say you worship Jesus and believe in Jesus and know what the Christmas season is all about. But, but when it comes down to it, every one of us in this room is going to worship something or someone this Christmas. Worship is not just something that Christians do or that religious people do. Like Every single person was created by God to worship. And we will find something to worship. We'll worship ourselves or we'll worship our family or our friends or our relationships or our job or our money. What takes top priority in your life? And that is what you choose to worship. That is your object of worship. These wise men showed us how to worship with several different aspects of their story. Number one, they worship with their actions, right? So as soon as they got to Jesus, what did they do? They bowed down, like they fell down on their face 
in front of Jesus as an act of humility, as an act of respect and honor for, for the king. So sometimes when we sing in here, you'll, you'll have people that will clap during the songs or you'll have people that will raise their hands as like an act of surrender. Uh, some people just, they don't, they don't even want to sing. They just want to bow their heads and just kind of let the words kind of wash over them as the people sing and the musicians play. And we all have different styles of worship, but that's actually not what this is about. He's not saying that, well, you got you to make sure you do or say certain things or raise your hands certain ways or clap when you're supposed to, on beat, like when you're supposed to. Like that's, he's not talking about specific styles of worship. See, these guys had worship as a lifestyle. Like their whole life was centered around the pursuit of Jesus. Like nothing mattered more for a two-year journey than getting to Jesus. And so they showed us, they modeled it in their actions, in their attitude, what it means to actually worship Jesus with their life. Secondly, their worship involves sacrifice. I mean, like when you think about a two-year journey, is that not crazy? Do you understand what you would have to do to prepare for a two-year journey? Like, how do you even ask time off from work for two years? He's like, hey, I'm getting ready to go on a journey. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going on a trip to see this guy I've never met before. Oh, okay, when are you going to be back? Yeah, if you could just block me off the schedule for the next two years, then like, you, can, you can put me back on in, in January of 2022, and I'll be back, and I'll jump right back into it. You imagine like telling your family, hey, I'm going on a work trip. Oh, yeah, when are you going to be back? Two years. <laughs> you imagine the amount of money that it took to go on a two-year road trip? And this isn't like we can jump in the car. They had to carry everything with them, set up and tear down the tents every night. You had to bring all the food and the water that you were going to drink. I mean, just an immense amount of planning. I mean, that's, that's like a logistical nightmare to me. But these guys were willing to sacrifice all of those things because they had one priority. Get to Jesus. Find the Messiah. Find the King so that we can worship him. This Christmas, what are you willing to sacrifice for? What are you willing to give your time for? What are you willing to give financially for? How are you willing to sacrifice in your life so that this Christmas you don't miss what it's actually all about? These wise men, man, they, they modeled it for us, modeled it so clearly in their sacrifice that their sacrifice was actually an act of worship unto God. Third thing, obviously, they gave was their finances. They gave these gifts, and like these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, like look them up. These were costly gifts. This isn't like, hey, I need to swing by Target on the way to the party and get something out of the dollar bin, and you give it to them, and the guy's like, oh, thanks, great, throw it away. No, these are expensive gifts. These are nice gifts, very costly. And then if you're going to take a two-year journey with a bunch of expensive gifts, you got to think about transportation. you got to think about bodyguards. Like, how are you not going to get robbed and beat up? I mean, like, is anybody walking around with book bags full of gold today? No. All of these things that these guys were willing to say, as an act of worship, I'm even willing to sacrifice financially. I'm willing to give financially because I want people to know what my top priority is. What matters the most to me is what they communicated. We're all going to worship this Christmas. Every single person in this room is going to worship something or someone this Christmas. So what will you sacrifice for? What will you give towards? What will become top priority in your life over the next 20 days or so? The wise men gave us a great example 
through their whole journey of what it really means to worship and that that first Christmas was all about worship. Second thing is this, jot it down. Worship comes from knowledge and experience. This is where so many people sitting in churches today, Christians that have been to church a thousand times, that are very familiar with the Christmas story, this is where many of them will miss it. Christmas is not just about what you know about Jesus, but it's about experiencing him in a personal way. In verse 3, it says that King Herod realized that he didn't know what was going on. These random guys came up to him and said, hey, we're here to worship the king. So he said, I got to figure this out. Like, what king? What messiah? What's going on? So the first place he went to was the high priest. He found the pastors and the preachers, the guys that worked in the church. He said, hey, these guys just rolled in, said something about some prophecy, about some savior or messiah. What's going on here? What's the deal? And the guys, the religious guys piped up and said, yeah, Yes, it's back in one of those scrolls back there. I think it's like 292 or 293 on that page somewhere. It says that there'll be a Messiah that's born in Bethlehem, which is like right down the road from here. And his name will be Jesus. And you're like, we know this Messiah. Yeah, we've been reading that book for a long time. Yeah, we know it. But the interesting part was the people that knew all about the coming Messiah and that had studied God their entire lives missed it while non-religious people from halfway around the world were the only ones to actually experience Jesus on earth. It's possible that you can know all the right answers about Christmas. Yeah, what's it about? Oh, yeah, Mary and Joseph and the angel and the star and Jesus and the manger and the wise men and shepherd. Oh, yeah, I know all about it. And you can know and never experience Jesus in a personal way. And if that's the case... You missed it. You're just like the religious people that said, yeah, it's quote, we can quote it for you. Page 292, it's right here in the book. And yet they totally missed. The Savior had been born right down the road, and they didn't even know it. They didn't even see it. And they totally missed what God wanted to do. The wise men walked into the room, and they're like, hey, guys, did y'all see the fireworks? Like the big star over there? Y'all seen that big star? Like, that's why we're here. We came, we came from a long way off just to come here. And then the religious people that hung out in the church the whole time, they're like, nah, I didn't, I didn't even know something was going on. What do you mean? Like, oh, I mean, I, I've heard about it in a book somewhere, but Savior, where? Messiah? Yeah, but he's not, he's not here now. And totally missed it. It's crazy to think that people that are far from God can experience Jesus in a real way while religious people can totally miss what the season is all about. There's this saying at Christmas time that, Uh, A lot of Christians and religious people like to say, uh, they'll say, Jesus is the reason for the season. You ever heard that before? It's actually not. Worship is the reason for the season. Because the religious people knew that the Messiah would be born. They say, what's the reason for this? Oh, Oh, yeah, Messiah, a guy named Jesus. And yet they totally missed it. But the wise men found out who Jesus was, but actually experienced it firsthand. And they were the ones that got it. Jesus is not the reason for the season. The worship of Jesus is. Tons of people all the way around the world know the story of Jesus and know that that's why the Christmas story is prevalent worldwide. But they're still missing it. They still haven't experienced it in a real way for them personally. The wise men got it, and the religious people totally missed it. The last part of the verse, they say something really crazy. These astrologers, these people that follow the stars, 
actually said, we saw the star in the sky and it was moving. And it guided us here to where Jesus laid. The third thing I want you to understand about this text is this. God still guides us to worship today. God still guides us to worship today. Think about how these guys found Jesus. They saw a star. I mean, would you be able to see that? Like you just walk out one day and you look up in the sky. Like, I don't know what new stars are. I don't know if it's a star. Like sometimes I look up in the sky and I think it's a star, and then I realize it's a plane shooting. Like it's like that's not a star. And then like I, I went to to public school in South Carolina, so I, I know what that's like in elementary school in science, but even I know that if you ever see a star moving towards you, you don't want to sit and wait on it, okay? Like, that thing's coming down, it's going to blow you up. Like, you want to run away from it. But these highly educated scientists said, we see a star moving, and we're going to walk towards it. How does that happen? How do people like that have faith? While the religious people miss it. Well, actually, that's why the word magi is so important. The same word used in Matthew chapter 2 for the wise men is the same word that's used for magi in Daniel chapter 2. And the story of Daniel, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, mentions the second coming, or like the coming of Christ more than any other book in the Old Testament. Do you know the group of people that Daniel had an influence over? This godly man that turned an entire kingdom towards God. You know who he had the most influence over? Daniel chapter 2 says the Magi. See, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, halfway around the world, a man named Daniel met with a group of astrologers and scientists and stargazers and says, one day in the east, a star will appear. And every night, I want you to look for this star. This is no, no small star because of what this star represents. See, one day a Messiah will come. One day a man named Jesus will be born to give his life for all of humanity. It'll be the greatest present, the greatest gift that was ever given. And this story was passed down from generation to generation. Every time a new class of astrologers graduated and moved into that position, they were told the story of Daniel. They said, look to the east. One day a star will be found. One day a star will be seen. And that's what the Magi did. And a few hundred years later, they looked up into the east and a bright star came and appeared right in front of them. They said, it's here. The Savior is here. The Messiah is here. The one that we've heard about for hundreds of years. Daniel told us, but he's told us not to forget. He told us to look for it. He said to make sure that we paid attention. And when the star appeared, they dropped everything so that they could find the Messiah that was to be born. And Scripture says the star guided them. God used the star thousands of years ago to draw people to Jesus, to use as a map, an idea that had been singed and burned into their heart hundreds of years later or earlier was finally coming to fruition. And I'm telling you, today God still guides people towards the worship of Jesus. You think you're here by accident? You think you just stumbled into this room? Like, you think you just ran across this video online? 
God uses things all around us every day to help us understand who he is, the sacrifice that his son Jesus gave, that the Messiah, the Savior of the world has been born. God still guides people to worship today. And at the end of their journey, it says the star stopped moving over Jesus' place where he lived with his family. It says they bowed down and worshiped, and the thing that the wise men found at the end of the journey that God had led them on would forever change their life. And if you'll pay attention to how God leads and guides today, what you'll find at the end is something that'll change your life too. The greatest present that the Magi received was being able to experience the presence of God on earth through the form of the Messiah, Jesus, the Savior of the world being born. I got a present for you. If, if you're in here today and uh, you never heard that before or you, you've heard that before but you never experienced it, like you know some facts, but you haven't experienced Christmas in a real way and you don't know what a personal relationship with God actually looks like through his son Jesus, then on the way out the doors, you'll see these small gift bags. And inside that bag is a small gift. It's a, it's a small book, really short book, written by a guy. He's really funny. It's a short, easy read. You can read it in the car on the way to your family as you celebrate Christmas, unless you're driving, and I wouldn't read it then. But it's a really interesting, funny read, lighthearted read that's really powerful because it helps you to understand what is Christmas all about, and most importantly, why does it even matter? And so if that interests you, man, if, if you're far from God, if you don't know how far you are from God, if you don't know God, if this is a new story to you and you're interested in Jesus, then that's a, that's a gift for you. Take it on the way out. We're not going to chase you into the parking lot. There's not a homing device, and we're going to show up at your house tomorrow with, with religious literature. Like, it's not. We're not going to do it. No questions asked. That's a gift from us. I believe what's in that bag, if you read it, tells the story of someone that can change your life. And I want to put that resource in your hand so that you can know what the real meaning of Christmas is, to know why it matters, and to know why so many people this time of year turn and worship the Savior that was born in a manger, Christ the Lord. We'd love for you to meet that God that cares and loves you so much.